again welcome to the show this is the adf underground brought to you by all day football what's up y'all my name is chris they call me chouse i am your host week 14 here it is man we are here the fantasy football postseason for majority of us this is big i mean we all do this grind for the entire season and now it's coming down to the wire that if you were able to carve out a postseason bid in your league this is it it's do or die so lots of good games on the docket i mean we had some really sound contests uh on the week 14 slate so i mean let's throw it all the way back to thursday night football where the chicago bears were hosting the dallas cowboys so this contest to us i was very curious to see how the Chicago Bears would fare at home. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys were coming off that devastating loss to the Buffalo Bills on Thanksgiving. And then to follow it up by traveling to Chicago, I was I was intrigued. I didn't really know which team was going to come out to play for the Cowboys. Would they improve or would they stay the same as they were, somewhat flat like they did in Dallas versus the Bills? But, I mean, this game started off, the Cowboys... They started off strong once again like they did on that Thanksgiving showing, and they scored first. I mean, it was Zeke Elliott. The drive was great. They ate up a lot of the clock. And, I mean, after that, it was like the Cowboys went into that mode again, just like they did the game prior, where they just couldn't get anything accomplished. They were struggling to make plays. The Bears actually stepped up to play. Mitchell Trubisky was the guy. I mean, we haven't seen him play this well in a very long time. I mean, his his overall stat sheet wasn't great. I mean, he was 244 yards and three touchdowns, which was solid of a day. He did have that one interception. But, I mean, he took command of this offense in this game. He was not going to allow the Cowboys to walk into Chicago and steal this contest. They truly wanted to keep their playoff hopes alive. And it was it was it was apparent. Trubisky was finding Allen Robinson all over the field. He found Anthony Miller, and he even ran him uh, ran one in for, for himself. I mean, so he he accounted for four touchdowns on the day. So his day was very sound. As for the Cowboys, I mean, what are we talking about when we discuss what's going on in Dallas? I mean, it is a fundamental issue that I see is that they're trying to be that passing team again. I don't get it. I will never understand a team who has a running back like Zeke Elliott who can dictate the level of play through the ground, set up your pass through the play action. I mean, granted, Dak Prescott is throwing the ball fairly well. I mean, but he threw the ball 50 times. I get it. You were you were down in this game, so you had to start throwing the ball. But, I mean, this is your fault. You you made this become your formula in this game to throw the ball. Didn't understand it. Didn't like it one bit. And, I mean, everyone is calling for Jason Garrett's head in Dallas. They want to see him fired as the head coach. Jerry Jones is sticking to his guns, remaining loyal to his good buddy. And perhaps they're just waiting till the end of the season to, to change it up. Because, I mean... 
granted, here's the thing. I mean, the NFC East is such a debacle. I mean, it's it's a terrible division this year. Anybody can win this win this division, and by anybody, I mean them and the Philadelphia Eagles. They're the only two left that are contending for the the NFC East crown. But even still, I mean, that's probably why Jason Garrett hasn't been fired. It's because if they do manage to grab that that division winner, uh, they want to have that continuity going into the playoffs to believe that that will be the formula to get them to possibly even win uh, the wild card round. I don't see it. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys are in are in deep trouble. They are not organized. Their schemes are very vanilla. The Bears were able to dissect them very quickly in this contest, and I mean, there just wasn't enough. I mean. So, what can we say about the Cowboys? They are struggling immensely. The Bears save their season. I mean, it's in dire straits, but they still do save their season. But, I mean, both teams, they will struggle to find their way into the postseason. I I really think at this point, if the Eagles can win on Monday Night Football against the Giants, a game that we'll cover later on in this broadcast, but, I mean, if they can do it, they can pull it out. I really do think that game against the Cowboys, we will see the Eagles win. So, Nevertheless, let's move right along to the contest on Sunday. So there were a good mix of games that actually had some viable NFL playoff value and a lot that just had simple fantasy football playoff uh, implications. So let's start it off. We'll go to Carolina traveling to Atlanta to face the Falcons. So earlier in the week, Coach Ron Rivera was fired by the Carolina Panthers, a move I thought was a little bit, I mean, I get it. It's not necessarily premature, but I thought they could have let him play out the string and, and, and finish the season as the head coach, but they chose to move in another direction. So when the spread came out, the, I believe the Falcons were favored at uh, minus three and a half. I understand it. I mean, they were at home, but I mean, the Falcons have been so up and down. So I chose to go against that. I chose uh, Carolina to to go the plus three and a half. In retrospect, I mean, I still would have went with the same prediction, I believe, only because there was two ways you could think about this. Would this Carolina Panthers team be that deflated that their coach was fired? Or would they be um, having some pride on their side, on their back to say, hey, you know what, we let the coach down, we fired him, let's show him what we can do. And it was the latter. They came out flat. They couldn't get much going on this defense of the Falcons. I mean, they basically locked down Christian McCaffrey, which was your entire offense. They were pressuring Kyle Allen all day. He was sacked five times. He threw two interceptions. I mean, this game really wasn't entertaining from a Carolina Panthers fan perspective. As for the Falcons, I mean, Matt Ryan was your guy. He was your fantasy guy today. He went three, uh, 313 yards, two touchdowns. He was only sacked one time. Devontae Freeman got into the mix today, everyone. This is something that we haven't seen in quite some time. It was quite refreshing. He went 17 for 84 in a touchdown. As for the receivers, Julio Jones again. If you had him on your fantasy club, he definitely disappointed you again today. He disappointed me. He cost me in some of my fantasy games this week. It was unfortunate. I was really hoping he was going to be a bigger part of this offense, but did not happen. Calvin Ridley had a decent day. If you played him, he had five catches, 76 yards, and one touchdown. I heard he also went down with an injury. Wasn't good. He I believe he got carted off with a abdomen. If I don't, if I'm not mistaken, but I'll have to check the injury report on that one. But when you go back onto the Carolina Panthers, I mean, McCaffrey did save his day in garbage time with the PPR points. He had 11 receptions, which was good. 
82 yards. He did not find the end zone. His rushing still was 4.8 per carry, but he just couldn't get much traction outside of just gaining 53 yards. So, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, this game really wasn't anything involved for the NFL playoff race. But for fantasy football, I mean, if you started basically anyone in this game, it was it was quite a disappointment. I mean, Freeman and, and Matt Ryan basically were the guys that helped you out. Uh, Calvin Ridley as well. Uh, on the Carolina side, like we said, CMC really disappointed. I was hoping for that 30-plus game in the PPR, but it just didn't happen. I believe he finished around the 20-point mark. But nevertheless, I mean, if you had Christian McCaffrey, he's he did enough to help you uh, at least get those big points to, to help you move on to the next round. So let's move right along. That one only had fantasy implication involved. So move right along to the next contest on the board. We have a big one, the Baltimore Ravens traveling to Buffalo to face the Bills. So I was very curious about this contest because a lot of my colleagues and a lot of the media, they were already calling this game going to be a blowout. The Bills had no business being in this game. And I and I really wanted to see what was going to happen. So Buffalo and their defense. I mean, we all know what Lamar Jackson can do. I mean, it's 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 been well documented. He is right now currently the league MVP, no question about it. He runs extremely well. He's been throwing the ball well. But this Bills defense, I mean, if you miss this game, the Bills had a defensive game plan and they used it basically to perfection. This game was was I don't want to say fully decided on one play, but it was the one play that really put the Bills in a in a in a stranglehold to get back to climb back. Because at this point, Buffalo isn't that team that can be that sound comeback squad, especially against a solid defense like the Baltimore Ravens. Josh Allen was good today. He he didn't turn the ball over. The only problem was is that he was sacked six times today. The defense of the Ravens, they stepped up. They ha- I think they impressed me a lot more than what the Ravens and Lamar Jackson did today. The game plan for the Ravens offensively continues to be on the ground. The Bills actually performed admirably in this contest. If you look at it, they basically locked down Lamar Jackson today. He only threw for 145 yards, and he only ran for 40. That is a success on a defense. Don't kid yourselves. That was a beauty of a defensive scheme game plan against Lamar Jackson. However, what does Lamar Jackson do? He is opportunistic. Whenever you are locking down the middle like they were doing, they were having perfect edge edge rushers holding their zones, where Lamar could not find that edge, but then Lamar was just getting creative. The passes over the middle, the one deep shot he had to Hurst, I mean, that was the killer. It was a 61-yard touchdown scamper. Lamar's pass went about, what, 15 yards across the middle. It was a blown coverage, I believe, by Poyer. And, I mean, that was your game. That was your ball game. If, if, if they could have made that stop on that drive, they were still in the game. However, the Buffalo Bills really need to learn from this contest. They are not quite there yet. The Ravens, they're a well-oiled machine. This this game proves to me as well that as good as the Bills' defense is, Lamar Jackson was still able to find room to throw those three touchdown passes. The run game set up these passes easily. So, all in all, I mean... I didn't hate the Bills' effort. Offensively, you would have liked to have seen a lot better. They they 
in this type of contest, it, it, it shows me as well, the Bills are really lacking that top and number one wide receiver. John Brown is good. Let's not kid ourselves. Brown is a burner. He is not your prototypical number one wide receiver that can take over the game. He will be a fantastic secondary piece. But this was clear. I mean, Marcus Peters, he was fantastic. End of the game, he he made a great breakup on the play. And, I mean, the pass was there for, for Brown to make a, make a shot to tie the game up in the end zone. It just didn't happen. So all the credit to the Baltimore Ravens. They look unbelievable. They are going to be extremely difficult to beat because the run is just beautiful. It sets up everything in the pass game, and it makes it confusing. The read option pass is something that I, I was really watching in this contest because even when the Bills had it, it locked up on that read option, Lamar, when he pulled it back to throw the pass, is where the Bills didn't have the answer because even Willie Sneed found room in that zone. Um, and it was just there. I mean, and then the tight ends, they just they always find room to make uh, make plays. So good game on both sides. Lamar Jackson, once again, he wins. He is moving. This team is rolling. The Bills lose traction just a little bit. They're nine and four. The Ravens are 11 and two. Huge contest for the Bills next week on Sunday night. The game has been flexed. They will be playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Ravens get pretty much an easy contest against the New York Jets on Thursday Night Football. So that chalk that up as another good victory, and the Bills will need this must-win to lock up a playoff bid. So great game overall. I think it was very good. Bills lose 24-17. Ravens roll. Let's move right along. The Cincinnati Bengals traveling to the Cleveland Browns. So the Browns are hanging on for dear life. I mean, the way that this... AFC wildcard race is shaping up six and seven uh, with the Browns winning today. They're still alive. Let's not kid ourselves. It's it's grim, but they're still alive. The Browns now win this contest 27 and 19. The spread opened up for the Browns going to, I believe, eight and a half points closed at seven. So I got it at eight and a half points favoring the Browns. I took the Bengals at plus eight and a half only because I'm not a believer. I don't believe in this defense. I don't think they're as good. They still need time to grow. There's obvious problems in the locker room with the Odell Beckham thing coming out, saying that he is meeting on the sidelines after each contest, uh, telling coaching staffs to come and get him like he wants out of Cleveland. He's denied the reports, but it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me one bit that this is exactly what's happening. He does not look like the player. He does not look happy. Uh, he's not playing elite. He's not getting the ball. The targets aren't there. So, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a crappy situation for him. His buddy Jarvis Landry obviously is getting all the targets at this point, but this contest, it, it, it didn't really have much of, of anything exciting other than for fantasy football as well. So let's just dive into that right there. Andy Dalton is back behind center. He didn't have a horrible day, but he didn't find the end zone. Joe Mixon was your guy. If you had Joe Mixon and you hold, held on to him the entire season and you played him today, congratulations, kudos to you because this was the day Joe Mixon went off for you. He went 23 carries, 146 yards, 6.3 yards per carry and one touchdown, added four catches, three catches in the rece uh, receiving game for 40 yards. This was Joe Mixon's day. He helped you get to that next level. In the fantasy playoffs, it was a good, great game for him. We had Tyler Boyd on our start list. He was average today. He had five receptions, 75 yards. But when you go to the Cleveland Browns, here we go again. I mean, what did Baker Mayfield really do today? 11 for 24, 192 yards, and two interceptions. 
he's not getting it done. I mean, this is the Bengals. They are not a sound football team. Their defense is shoddy at best. They really aren't playing for anything other than the first overall pick. Andy Dalton's still playing for a job on some other club for next season. Let's not kid ourselves. But outside of that, what is going on with the Browns? This has been the dysfunction we've seen all season. Nick Chubb was your guy in fantasy. He went 15 for 106. Did not find the end zone. He got vultured by Kareem Hunt on a short touchdown run. He went nine. Kareem Hunt went nine carries for 28 yards and that one touchdown. And in the past game, it was just completely disappointed. I mean, Odell Beckham was invisible for two for 39. If you played him, that's a fail. Huge fail. Landry was your guy, four receptions for 76 yards, but again, underwhelming. I really don't think, even if the Browns make it by some magical conjunction into this postseason, I mean, it's going to be one and done. How can we say it otherwise? As for the Bengals, I mean, they're trying. Like we said, the only thing left with the Bengals is Andy Dalton. He's he's searching for a job for next year because you know that the Bengals will be drafting a new uh, signal caller in the offseason. So, Browns win, 27-19. Nothing more really to see here. Wasn't that great of a contest anyway, but let's move right along. The Green Bay Packers hosting the Washington Redskins. A lot of people had this game as a potential upset only because of what the Redskins were able to do in Carolina last week. I wasn't convinced, but maybe I should have been because the spread for the Packers was at a 13, I believe, minus 12, 12 and a half. I took it. I believe that this was a tune-up contest Excuse me for the Green Bay Packers, and they disappointed me today. This is the thing about the Packers that, that really scares me. They are a 10-3 club. I get it. They're winning games. But we have to hit the panic button a little bit here, don't we? I mean, yes, they are winning with running the ball. This has been the pedigree of Matt LaFleur. He hasn't asked Aaron Rodgers to be that guy who has to throw 400 yards and four touchdowns and three touchdowns every single contest to win these games. This is not what Matt LaFleur wants to do. He wants to establish the run. He wants to be more balanced, right? Aaron Jones was the man. So you take it two ways with a game like this. I love to see a tune-up contest for this. I don't want to see you just slug through it, get the win, and go home like it was a non-contest. This The playoffs are coming for the NFL. You want to be running at a high-octane level, and the Packers really didn't show me a lot today outside of the run game. Aaron Jones was a monster today. He was 16 carries, 134 yards. He found the end zone on the ground, added another six receptions for 58 yards. But see, in the, in the same thing, what we're talking about in the past game, Aaron Rodgers only didn't even throw for 200 yards. He was sacked four times. That was an issue that I saw. Devontae Adams was an afterthought today, 4 for 41. He's killing people in fantasy football. I get it, okay? We discuss fantasy football. It's not relevant to these guys. They're winning games. That's all they care about at this point of the season. But it's a problem because you are not this high-efficient team. When you say you're more balanced, I don't buy it at this point because in this contest right here, it proves you were not balanced. You, you went to the run. You stuck with the run. You ate the clock. I get it. You want the win. But you let the Redskins hang around. Terry McLaurin found the end zone late. I mean, yeah, it was it was late garbage time points, garbage time score. But I don't like it. I didn't like it one bit. I really was hoping to see something more from the Packers today. They will have more games on the docket that will test their resolve. But I mean, okay, 
I get it. They win. They're ten and three. I mean, they lead the division. They got a game still in hand on the Minnesota Vikings. So I mean, how can you be mad at a win? I just would like to have seen a little bit more. Nevertheless, let's move right along. We got the Denver Broncos traveling to Houston. Another contest with a with a team that we really believed would have shown a lot more. And we're discussing the Houston Texans. This team, if they aren't Jekyll and Hyde at its finest, I really don't know what is. They can beat a team like the Patriots a week ago and come out and just lay an absolute stinker this week against the Denver Broncos. So the Broncos, they just came out the gates flying. This kid, Drew Locke, if you haven't seen him, I I really like this kid coming out of the draft. A lot of people didn't believe in him. They said his footwork uh, needed a lot of work. Uh, he wasn't NFL ready. I didn't necessarily buy it. I went on record, and I mean, it's 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 been in our articles from the offseason. I really liked him. I, I think he, he needed some development, but it wasn't as dire as a lot of people were suggesting. Drew Locke is a stand-up quarterback. He is NFL ready. He will have his days where he's going to struggle, and that's where I kind of went with this contest. So the Texans were favored, I believe, by nine points. Again, I took the spread on this one. It looks like I'm I'm taking it right on the chin this week against the spread. But, I mean, my thought process in for this contest before it went off was the fact that Drew Locke now had a full game tape and that the Houston Texans were going to dissect it and they were going to bring pressure. They were going to bring different looks that he didn't see in his first NFL game. It did not happen. I was so confused watching that. I couldn't believe that Coach Bill O'Brien and Romeo Cornell did not have a game plan against Drew Locke. He is a young guy. He will get rattled. I mean, this is the NFL. It's a different ball game. He's coming off an injury. He hasn't seen the field. I'm speaking of Drew Locke. And you really just let him do whatever he wanted to do on this field. I mean, by halftime, the Broncos were leading the Texans in Houston 31-3. to You heard me, 31-3. to This is a rookie quarterback in his second NFL contest, and you are getting carved up. I get it. The second touchdown by the Broncos was a defensive return off a fumble by Kareem Jackson, so that puts you behind. But you showed nothing offensively until you got in late into the third quarter if you're the Texans. And by then, you know the Denver defense was kind of letting back. They had the giant lead. They didn't need to ball out anymore. I didn't like the game plan one bit. It was clear that the coaching staff of the Texans had overlooked this contest big time, and it could come back to bite them later on. Houston, I am not impressed with what I saw. Here we go again. So last week, what was the main objective and the main scheme to get the the Texans the victory against the Patriots? It was the usage of Duke Johnson. Why do you go away from this method? I have no understanding. I get it. Some teams will be better at defending players like uh, Duke. They will see it on the film and they will game plan against it. But it's inexcusable that Duke Johnson only has one carry. Okay, he had six catches from the backfield for 40 yards, but it was it was inconsistent. You weren't setting anything up regularly for the entire game. I didn't like that one bit. DeAndre Hopkins got in the game late. He was good. Seven catches, 120, and one touchdown. He was your baller today. Carlos Hyde ran fairly well. But, I mean, again, Deshaun Watson was your problem. He threw 50 times. 
I don't like this thing at all. I mean, yes, you're down. You're going to be throwing. We get it. But now you're one-dimensional, and the team can totally break you down. He had two interceptions. He was sacked three times today. And, I mean, when you look at it from the stat column, you're going to think that he played very well. It wasn't that. I mean, his stat sheet and his his book's going to look good. The fantasy day is going to look fantastic. I mean, he got you three touchdowns. He got you two on the ground, one through the air. But, I mean, overall, the game, it, he was missing receivers. It, it just wasn't there. It's not like the Broncos were giving him awkward looks that he's never seen before. Deshaun just did not look right today. He didn't look right today. The whole thing... For Houston, it's a throwaway. You're gonna, you're, you might not even want to look at this film on uh, on Monday because it, it, it's a disaster. So move right along. Chalk it up as, as as Jekyll and Hyde. I have no idea what the Houston Texans really are. I'm 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 literally confused. They are eight and five. It's a it, they. I believe they still have the lead in the division, but I mean. It's not a good lead. I mean, the Tennessee Titans are coming right on your heels. They're tied with you now. That's it. The the Tennessee Titans now with their victory, they are tied. And it's going to make it very difficult. This was a big game that the Houston Texans really dropped. Very disappointing if you're a Houston Texans fan. But nevertheless, let's move right along. The Detroit Lions traveling to Minnesota. Yet another contest where we have a team that is looking to be playoff bound in the Vikings to the Detroit Lions who almost pulled off the upset with rookie David Blau behind center with no Matthew Stafford. I really went into this contest believing that the way Blau played a week ago, yes, again, it was his first game, so they didn't really know what to expect, but he was slinging the ball all over the field. I fully expected that to happen again today. Granted, the the Vikings defense was ready for it, but... With Dalvin Cook playing a little bit injured, I really thought that this game would be a lot closer than it was. I mean, the the Vikings won 20-7. It wasn't a huge day for Minnesota. Cook still ran the ball 18 times. The Lions held him pretty much at check. He had Dalvin Cook did have that one touchdown. Again, Kirk Cousins, he played fairly well. He did enough what he had to do. He was 24 of 32, 42, and one touchdown. Game management role, like we've been saying for most of the time. If he's just going to be regulated to this type of role, he will be very successful. It was the game last week in Seattle where we wanted to see that clutch player actually finally come out, and he didn't make it happen. So when it comes to the Lions, they were a giant disappointment. Blau, he was sacked five times. He picked. He was picked off twice. He found the end zone once to Kenny Galladay saving Galladay's fantasy day. And uh, Boris, Bo Scarborough, he was trying to get the run game going. I saw he got injured late. Not sure how severe he is. So if you have him, you may not be able to rely on him next week. Marvin Jones was an afterthought in this offense. He could not get going. And, I mean, Stefan Diggs, he, he again, he turned out, man. He was six receptions, 92 yards. Didn't find the end zone, but... I mean, that was that was pretty good enough for a day uh, if you played digs today. When it comes to the Vikings in this club, I really want to discuss, again, it's like the Packers. In, in certain contests, you do want to see uh, uh, the team turn it up, especially the way in which you lost the contest to the Seahawks on Monday night last week. I was really hoping to see Minnesota take a next step and say, play with some anger, play with some frustration, and say, you know what, we're going we're gonna to lay a smackdown on on a weaker opponent. And again, it just didn't deliver. It didn't happen. 
and I'm very confused to why these clubs feel that they're just trying to get through the season. Win's a win. We need to get in the postseason. But you got to get to that next level if you want to beat these teams, like the 49ers, like the, the New Orleans Saints. You really need to be at that other level, and the way it's going right now, it's a two, two-team two race. I mean, the 49ers and the Saints look to be the top dogs in the NFC, and we'll discuss that game when it comes up, but this is how it's looking. I mean, when it comes down to it, if you've listened to the show, you you understand our appreciation and affinity for this Minnesota Vikings club. I like what this team can be. It just, they constantly disappoint me when they have the opportunity. This was a tune-up contest that you could have really drilled home to say that you are a team to be reckoned with. Destroy the teams that are beneath you. Compete strong with the teams that are with you. So, didn't really like it outside of that, but Vikings still get the win. Again, like we said, like the Minnesota pa- or the Green Bay Packers, excuse me, a win's a win. You're not going to apologize for getting victories in this league. So, the Vikings stay close to the Packers. They are 9-4, and four, one game behind the division-leading Green Bay Packers. And it's going to get interesting down the stretch. So uh, lots to look forward to over the coming three weeks left in the season. So next game on the board, the game of the day. The San Francisco 49ers taking travel to New Orleans to face the Saints. So we're going to jump into this one first off as... For fantasy football-wise, I really have to preach something, and I have preached it for a long period of time. But today is one of those days where you overthought the process. I have said it. If you've made the playoffs and your guys have been steady throughout the entire season and they have gotten you there, your studs, play them in the postseason of fantasy football. So this was the biggest one this week for me. I had a great deal of issue trying to evaluate it, trying to predict it, and I'm speaking of Drew Brees. So playing Drew Brees against this San Francisco 49ers defense, all of my colleagues, all of the the media, they were discussing this game to be a defensive showing, and I couldn't have agreed more especially with how the Saints offense has been playing. I really didn't believe this this contest was going to put up, what, 94 points or 92 points. This was completely overlooked by me uh, and, and, and many others. I mean, but in, in this case, I'll admit when I was wrong, I, I recommended Drew Brees as a sit. It was a cautionary sit rather than a must sit, but it was still there. My, my recommendation was incorrect. I followed it as well, and it cost me a victory in one of my fantasy leagues this week. When, anytime you leave 50 points or plus on the bench, depending on your league scoring, mine was 48 points for Drew Brees in one league, and that was sitting on my bench, and I was writhing in pain. I couldn't believe that I had made the mistake. So, again... I played Sam Darnold. It was it was straight up matchup play. Believing going up against the Miami Dolphins, Darnold would have a good day, and with Drew Brees facing the second best pass defense in the NFL, and the way that they've been playing uh, over the last few games, I just really didn't see it. So I, I took the gamble and I failed and I missed it. So really didn't like that. So the the lesson here for all you fantasy football players, managers, owners. Play your guys, play your studs when you get to the postseason because if they got you there, come crunch time, they're going to elevate their game. And Drew Brees is one of those guys, and I should have known better, and I totally missed the boat on that one. So apologies all around if you took that advice. 
it was a, a, a mere sidestep that doesn't happen very often here, but it did happen. So going back to the game, this game was an absolute beauty. If you missed it, I, you really need to go back and rewatch it. It was back and forth all day long. The Saints started out very fast. They scored with Jared Cook, 38-yard touchdown pass. And you thought, okay, here we go. The the the, the Saints are found their, their passing game. But right away, Jimmy Garoppolo, they drive the field right back. Ken, uh, Kendrick Bourne from Jimmy Garoppolo. And then again, here comes Jared Cook. And this is how the game was going. It was just back and forth. One team scores, the other team answers. The one team scores, the other team answers. Emmanuel Sanders had a massive 75-yard touchdown reception. And then when the when Drew Brees drove the field again and found his men to, to get the game uh, all squared up again, we saw Emmanuel Sanders on some trickery throw the ball to Raheem Mostart for a 35-yard touchdown. This is the type of game it was. It was absolutely phenomenal. The 49ers, in the end, they come out victorious on a last-second field goal. The Saints' defense could not hold them. It was late in the contest. The Saints had the chance to win. It, I believe, what, it was 53 seconds left in the contest. Traquan Smith put the Saints out in front, and and the 49ers just managed to get in the field goal range and win it with Robbie Gold. So unbelievable game this was if this is the nfc championship game and it 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 dials up the same type of entertainment we're all going to be blessed because that game was phenomenal wicked day today in this contest let's break down the fantasy football numbers jimmy garoppolo we had him on our start potential big day list he went off today 349 yards four touchdowns one interception emmanuel sanders he was your guy today he threw one touchdown pass, like we said, to Mostert, caught seven balls for 157 yards and caught another touchdown pass. So the 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 problem here that I see is you're, you're playing your fantasy football playoffs. The backfield of the 49ers is extremely difficult to trust right now. Matt Breida returned to action today. He took six carries for 54 yards. But Raheem Mostert was your guy. He was leaned upon. Shanahan saw what he or liked what he saw, and he just rode the hot hand. The guy that is disappointing right now is Tevin Coleman. If you have shares of Tevin Coleman, he is on your bench awaiting a better uh, matchup because uh, as of right now, he is not being trusted. He's not getting the job done, and Kyle Shanahan makes no bones about it. If you're not producing, you will be riding that pine, and it has been seen now, I believe, for the last three weeks. So now let's go to the Saints for the fantasy football numbers. Drew Brees, he was a machine. He went 349 yards, five touchdown passes, five touchdown passes, and he added another one on the ground, uh, jumping over the line, over the goal line, one-yard touchdown run. So his day was absolutely phenomenal. This goes back to what I'm saying. He elevates his play. We know this, and it was just a brain fart on our part. We overthought the entire situation. Drew Brees is the man. When it comes to crunch time, he won't let you down. He will not let you down. It's going to be one out of ten times Drew Brees will let you down in a massive contest such as this. Regardless on what the stats and the matchups say, you have to trust your gut and go with your guys. This is all I'm saying. When it comes to the running game, Alvin Kamara continues to kill me. I have him in leagues, and he is destroying my sensibility. I can't understand what is wrong with this game. 
He is not running with the same vigor. He can't find the same holes. Even in the past game, when he is getting the receptions, he just can't make anything happen. He can't find the end zone. As of right now, it's easy to say for where you had to draft him in fantasy football, he has been a colossal bust. Michael Thomas, on the other hand, has been fantasy glory. He adds 11 receptions today, 134 yards and one touchdown. Jared Cook had two receptions, both for touchdowns, but he left with a concussion early and never returned. What a contest it was. 48-46 to San Francisco wins. Unbelievable. So we'll move right along. Let's go to the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins. Again, this is another contest. They're just playing out the string. So we'll just jump into the fantasy football numbers. This is what kind of got me confused. I really believed that the floor for Sam Darnold in fantasy football this week would have been 25 points with a ceiling of hitting around 30. Completely off, completely wrong. He he started strong, finished sloppy, and I mean that is the game of Sam Darnold. He will turn you the ball over as he does. He he threw an interception and he lost a fun, or he fumbled the ball but recovered it. And then the late uh, illness by uh, uh, Le'Veon Bell. He didn't suit up for this contest, which forced all Le'Veon Bell owners to start uh, uh, Powell, Bilal Powell. And I mean, he really didn't get it done for you. He was he was used majority of the time, but I mean, Miami somehow were able to stifle the man. Robbie Anderson pitched in seven catches, 116 yards, and one touchdown. He was your go-to guy. Jamison Crowder. He continues to disappoint. This, I believe, is four contest in a row of disappointment he can now not be trusted for the remaining two contests of the fantasy football playoffs ryan fitzpatrick was a popular streaming uh target this week for quarterbacks he did not get it done today he was 245 yards and one interception no touchdown passes this one though i will attribute to Devonte parker being ruled out early with a concussion the dolphins had to change up their game plan and it just didn't work Anyway, when it comes down to it, the Dolphins lose late on a field goal. It was 22-21 to for the New York Jets. Uh, Sam freaking kicked a 44-yard field goal with no time left on the clock, and that ended your contest. The Jets go to 5-8. and eight. The Dolphins remain 3-10, and 10, and that's your ball game for that one. Next contest on the board, the Indianapolis Colts and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So this contest, I really didn't know what to expect only because of the mass amount of injury toward the, the Colts offense. No T.Y. Hilton. They did get Paris Campbell back. No Eric Ebron. Obviously, Jack Doyle is replacing him. They did get Marlon Mack to return for this contest with that broken hand. I just didn't know if I could trust it, and I was right on point. He only went 13 carries for 38 yards, but he did find the touchdown to save his day. Jacoby Brissett wasn't terrible. I mean, he was 251 yards, two touchdowns, and he led this team late. I mean, they had a chance to close this out, but the defense just could not hold late in the fourth. I mean, 10 points scored in the fourth quarter by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was your dagger. Again, Jameis Winston, he has a monster day throwing the ball. But this is exactly what we have been discussing. Jameis Winston will not be afraid to sling the ball. He is being coached just to throw. He's not being coached to read the defenses at this point. He threw three more interceptions today for his league-leading high. He's well over 20 interceptions now. 
but he did throw you 456 yards and four touchdowns. So if you started Jameis Winston today, those three picks were of no consequence because he got you all the points you needed in that regard. He also ran one in for a touchdown. So he he accounted for five touchdowns today, nearly 500 yards uh, passing. So it was a fantastic day. I saw Mike Evans. He had one catch for 61 yards and one touchdown, and he also exited this game with a hamstring injury and never returned. This has been... The problem for me all season long has been injuries, and I am sick of it. I can't handle how many of my top-end players have been going down this year. It is just crazy. You, If you have a lot of these guys as well, you feel my pain. But this game was actually very entertaining. It was a back-and-forth, no-defense, basically, contest. And Tampa Bay pulls out the victory late with 17 unanswered points from the third to the fourth quarter. 38-35 is your final score. Very entertaining contest. The Colts basically have ended their playoff run. I mean, they're still alive mathematically, but this is they, they take a massive hit in the playoff standings in this one. But, I mean, what else can you say? Injuries have taken their toll on the Colts this season. So let's move right along to the next contest on the board. That's the L.A. Chargers taking travel to Jacksonville to face the Jaguars. This contest really had nothing of any bearing for, the again, the playoff standings in the NFL. It did have fantasy football uh, relevance. However, the Chargers absolutely explode today, 45-10 to 10 on the Jags. Jags have given up. They're, they're, they've turned it in. They went back to Gardner Minshew. He really didn't have a, a whole heck of a good day. Leonard Fournette was, was shut down. I mean, there is nothing really statistically positive to discuss here for the, the Jaguars. But for the, the Chargers, Phillip Rivers, he found that magic again. He went 314 yards and three touchdowns. That was probably either sitting on your bench or on the waiver wire. But the big show again today was Austin Eckler. He is the guy in this offense, especially with uh, Phillip Rivers playing. He loves the check down. He loves finding this. This is the scheme for, for this club is Austin Eckler. Breaking down his day, he was eight rushes, 101 yards. He also added in the four receptions for 112 yards and a touchdown in the pass game. Austin Eckler was your machine. If you played him today, you are smiling ear to ear. Melvin Gordon also, he had 12 carries, 55 yards, and one score. Keenan Allen, again, he only pitched in five receptions, 83 yards, and he again does not find the end zone. I mean, this game was lopsided. It, it was over early. Uh, the, the the Chargers, they just jumped out as quick as they could. Jacksonville had a field goal in the first quarter, but, I mean, by halftime, by the third quarter, it was game over. So nothing really to see here outside of fantasy football. The The Chargers are basically done. The Jaguars are looking going to be looking for a new head coach right away as Doug Marone's seat should be flaming hot at this point. So move right along to a contest that actually had some playoff viability. The Pittsburgh Steelers going to Arizona to face the Cardinals. We had this contest uh, marked on our board as very interesting because right now the Pittsburgh Steelers still hold that sixth spot in the wild card race. They are right behind the Buffalo Bills. And, I mean, we really believed that they would take travel to Arizona and they would put the smack down in some respect because this defense is so good. We still like Kyler Murray. We're going to say it week in, week out. We still believe in what this guy is going to be able to be, what he's going to be able to become. 
Today was not his day. Kyler Murray tried. He attempted. He threw three interceptions. While he did throw two touchdowns, we knew this was going to be the day. Heavy pressure was going to be on Murray all day. He was sacked five times. He just could not get a whole heck of a lot going. Christian Kirk was the main receiver. Eight receptions, 85 yards. But, I mean, the Steelers' defense, we knew. This is Blitzburg again. They are coming heavy at young quarterbacks, trying to rattle them. And, and you can see Kyler Murray was rattled. He was rattled early. He, he was looking to take off majority of the time. He, he found his receivers when they were open. But, I mean, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, you got Devlin Hodges. He is doing just enough for you to continue to win games. What does this Pittsburgh Steelers team have on offense at this point? You have Devlin Hodges. You're running with Snell. Okay, you have Jalen Samuels, but he is actually taking a back seat to Benny Snell. And you have Deontay Johnson as your receiver and uh, James Washington as your wide receivers. This is it. So you're you're making victories. You're getting victories with such a patch made offense. It is actually incredible to witness. However, next week, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers will be taking on the Buffalo Bills on Sunday Night Football. We already mentioned that the game has been flexed. This will be a very interesting game to me because I believe the two teams are in two separate classes. I believe the Bills are moving up a lot faster, a lot higher than the Steelers. But what keeps this Steelers team alive is the defense. The defense is still very, very strong. So this is what could be carrying them into the postseason. It's going to come down to the wire. It's going to be very close, but the Steelers are continuing to move. Mike Tomlin deserves a whole heck of a lot of credit for what he's able to achieve. No James Conner, no Juju Smith-Schuster. And, I mean, you've rotated your quarterbacks for majority of the season. This is a If they make the postseason, this is a giant success, and, and Mike Tomlin should get all the credit in the world for what he was able to do. But again, we had the Steelers win in this contest. The spread was low. I believe it was minus 2.5. And, and, I mean, we took that and we ran all the way to the bank. So that was a good game for us to win. Moving right along to a contest that everyone had marked down, the Kansas City Chiefs against the New England Patriots in New England. The Patriots still took the favorite here in this contest, even after their poor showing last week. The spread closed at minus three, favoring New England. They have won, I believe they said, 21 or 22 contests at home. This had to have been the day, right? I mean, we saw how bad this offense has been playing for New England. Tom Brady just, you know what, I even re-looked at the, at the film from last week, and it's not necessarily all on Tom Brady. He's still making some throws. His receivers just aren't getting it done. They're not getting open outside of Julian Edelman. Sanu's not making plays. You know, the, the young guys, Harry, he's doing his darndest, but he's just not getting open, and Myers is just not making anything happen. So in this contest, I really believed that New England would have to ride the James White train again in the past game like they did last week. I really believe that this is going to be the staple moving forward in the playoffs once again, just like it was when they won the Super Bowl against the Atlanta Falcons. James White is your key. Julian Edelman is your key. This is all you really have offensively. The run game just isn't there. Sony Michelle is not running well. He's not being given the opportunities to run the ball. He only had five touches today on the ground. Nothing ever is going to come well from that. But the Kansas City Chiefs, so they impressed me today only because of how they played defensively. 
And it's not really a surprise because they bring the heat all the time. Where they get exposed, they are a full-blown blitz team, and that's why they're getting exposed. But they know their inadequacy is in that secondary, that they won't be able to play man coverage or zone for too long without bringing pressure on the quarterback because they're very opportunistic. The pressure continues to bring interceptions, continues to bring mistakes and incompletions, and this is how they get the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. Today, Mahomes wasn't spectacular, but he did just enough to get the ball to his playmakers. Travis Kelsey, again, led the way. Tyreek Hill was your guy as well. But again, these stats aren't blowing off the paper for you for fantasy football. But in a contest of this magnitude, this was a massive win for the Kansas City Chiefs. They lock up the AFC West. The Patriots now, they they, they stumble. This is two games in a row that they did not look very sound whatsoever. And you have to start ringing alarm bells. I mean, this defense can only do so much. As we've seen with other elite units like the Denver Broncos of the days that got Peyton Manning his his uh, Super Bowl ring, this is what happens after the fact. You start to get tired as a defense of carrying the team for 17 games, and then you enter the grind of the postseason. So the New England Patriots are really going to have to stick to a formula that's going to work, and that, in my opinion, is going to be the James White. It's going to be the Edelman, and you really need someone else to step up like a Sanu. They don't have the tight end presence. That is a massive problem for them right now. And right now, Tom Brady, I mean, he is frustrated. He looks extremely frustrated. The post-interviews just don't look like him. I mean, they are not used to losing games. This is not what New England is. They win contests. They are the dominating force in the NFL, and right now it's just not looking that way. Massive win for the Kansas City Chiefs. This game, entertainment-wise, didn't have a whole heck of a lot. I mean, it was exciting, but it, it wasn't edge-on-your-seat exciting. We, we really felt that Kansas City had this game in, in control for a majority of it till late when, when uh, Tom Brady tried to attempt the comeback. I mean, and this was the funny thing. We, we don't really see the Patriots get screwed on plays, and they got jacked on one of those touchdowns. Nikhil Harry, he was in bounds, and he dove, and he got in the end zone. It would have made it a lot closer. The Patriots had no challenge flags left after poor officiating earlier on in the game, and that basically cost them this contest from coming back. But, I mean... We don't see that happen to a New England Patriots team where the officiating just isn't on their side, especially at home. This was a difference in this ballgame as well. Good game overall, nothing crazy uh, entertainment-wise or fantasy football-wise, but it was a good game. Now we're kind of seeing how this AFC is starting to shape up, and the New England Patriots are definitely in in uh, scramble mode. They play the Buffalo Bills in Week 16, which could could actually go for who's going to win this division. So that's going to be very exciting. Next contest on the board, the Tennessee Titans and the Oakland Raiders. I really didn't believe that this contest was going to be anything of a show. I'm a huge believer in Ryan Tannehill, have been. You know this. I've been saying it week in, week out as Tannehill keeps on rolling. He is the guy. He is moving the ball very well. This team is just built properly now. You can see it. Derrick Henry continues to be your workhorse. You're going to push him. He had that hamstring, but he still ran for over 100 yards and found the end zone twice. And this inhibits the pass game to be that much more dynamic. If you missed this one, it was fantastic. Ryan Tannehill found our man, A.J. Brown, 
five times, 153 yards and two touchdowns, including a massive 91-yard touchdown strike. Tannehill finishes the day 21 of 27, super efficient for 391 and three touchdowns. He did throw one pick, but that wasn't his fault. That ball was tipped, and it landed right into the defender's hands. The important thing that we need to discuss here, Tannehill was not sacked again today. This is the efficiency that we know that this offensive line can bring. As long as you're establishing the run, hey, Dallas Cowboys, this should be your uh, copycat formula when you're building your offense. You even have more weapons than this Tennessee Titans offense, and you're not following this script. This is the script you need to follow. Tennessee is doing it to perfection. Oakland, we knew. They didn't have the the, the horses today. Josh Jacobs, he was out with an injury. This was going to be a no contest, but somehow Oakland still tried, and they, they managed to put some points on the board. Final score came out in this one, 42-21 to 21 in favor of the Tennessee Titans. Derek Carr attempted. I mean, he, he didn't have a horrible day. I really expected a lot more from the Titans' defense, but I mean, they knew their offense was going to be able to handle this Oakland Raiders' D uh, quite easily. And I mean, now, like we said with the Houston Texans dropping their contest, we now have a battle for the division winner between Tex the Texans and the Titans. Both teams 8-5 and five now. This is going to be exciting to finish down the line. Tennessee looks like they are just rolling. I really like this team a lot. If they had a full healthy squad, we could even suggest that they could be rolling even more. But health is continuing to be an issue. Ryan Tannehill just looks on point. And behind Derrick Henry, if he can stay healthy, this offense just rolls behind him. So let's move right along to the Sunday night contest that had us all intrigued for what would occur. The Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson taking his potential MVP season to L.A. to face the L.A. Rams. So I was rather disappointed in this showing um, from Seattle. They started out slow. L.A., you know what? Kudos to them. They knew this was do or die. This was their playoffs on the line. And they just came out the gates firing. Jared Goff was finding Robert Woods all over the field. Malcolm Brown and Robert Woods started this game off quick. Luke Cooper Cup got another touchdown. So by the time you even looked at the score, it was 17-3 going into halftime. Russell Wilson and this run game could not get started today, and that was your biggest problem. The Seattle Seahawks are a team that will struggle if they are behind. They are not built to be this pass-heavy club at this point. They don't have the... The offensive line is more suited towards blocking in the run game rather than the pass. As you can see, Russell Wilson took a lot of shots today. He really struggled in this game to find room, to find his receivers. He was sacked five times. He threw one interception did not find the end zone. I mean, Chris Carson's day looks okay on paper, but I mean, if you watch how the game unfolded, they just could not get open lanes, could not get traction, and it was the ender. I mean, and Jared Goff, I mean, this was the thing. He started this the first half uh, on fire, but in the second half, he he, reser he reverted back to his old ways in throwing the interception, interceptions, making those mistakes. But at least they got Todd Gurley going. 23 carries on the ground today. He found the end zone. His yards per carry is still dastardly low, and I think that is going to be their downfall. They won't be able to uh, manufacture enough to, to make the, the postseason, especially in this division with how well the 49ers are playing. Seattle still is 10-3, and three, has a commanding two-game lead at this point with three games left in the season. So 
I really struggle to see the Rams making the postseason, but at least they showed that they are still that squad that they were last year to some degree in that first half. They looked powerful. They looked efficient and on point. Seattle, on the other hand, their defense looked exposed. If if I'm uh, opposing teams that are playing them in the next three weeks, this is the game film that I watch because they definitely were, were uh, figured out in some respect that you have a, a, a formula that you can beat this club with. You take away their ground game, it removes their play-action pass, and you clog up the outsides where Russell Wilson can't move outside the pocket. I mean, this is the formula for a lot of these running, rolling-out quarterbacks. This is, I mean, Russell Wilson can do it from inside the pocket as well. Don't get us wrong. But, I mean, it was all taken away from him today. And if I am any opposing defense going to be playing them in the next three weeks, this is the film that you watch and then you add to that, obviously. But it was a it was not a great game entertainment-wise. I expected a lot more from the Seattle Seahawks. Did not happen. The Rams still stay alive in the playoff race, though their chance of, of gaining any traction into the postseason is going to be slim. So let's move right along. That is Sunday's contest. We will jump into the Monday Nighter with the Philadelphia Eagles taking on the New York Giants. Uh, On paper, this game does not appear to be anything of a spectacular show. The Eagles are hanging on for dear life themselves. They are 5-7, where they're facing the Giants at 2-10. Daniel Jones is not going to play in this contest. He has been seen in a walking boot. So enter old man Eli Manning back to the fold. Super check down, man, Eli Manning. This is music to the ears of all uh, Saquon Barkley owners. He will get those check downs once again. I would not even question the fact that Barkley could get anywhere in the in the realm of five to eight to nine receptions in this contest simply because of how Eli Manning throws the ball and he's afraid he needs to get that ball out of his hand he, under pressure, under duress. As for the other receivers, outside of Golden Tate, I think you're going to find a a very difficult showing for a lot of your pass catchers. If you have Slayton, if you have uh, Shepard, I think you're going to find a lot of struggle for Eli Manning. Even though this uh, Philadelphia Eagles secondary is quite weak, they have been exposed all season. But Carson Wentz is the interesting fact to me. I mean, he played extremely well last week, even though they, they took one on the chin. I really believe... Carson Wentz will come out in this contest and he will show that they are still for real in this playoff race. I mean, this division, the team overall, um, Philadelphia I'm speaking of, isn't great. They're not going to do a whole heck of a lot in the postseason, even if they make it there. But I still believe that they can be better than the Dallas Cowboys. I still believe in their front seven. I believe Fletcher Cox and and company can can get enough pressure to to make it very difficult for uh, offenses to gain any traction outside of what happened in Miami. That was the anomaly. I just didn't like what I saw there. It was almost like they took a game off. But it's not going to be a great showing. I believe the Eagles are favored in this contest by nine and a half points. I am taking that spread. I am going to gamble here. Oh, they're they're closed at nine nine points right now. So I got them at nine and a half. I am going to take that spread anyway. I don't think the Giants are going to be able to do anything. Eli Manning, he'll he'll want to play. He'll want to show. But I mean, it's Eli Manning. He's been benched for a reason. He doesn't have much left in the tank. Interceptions and fumbles should be key. Lots of pre- uh, pressure. Lots of sacks. The Eagles should definitely win this contest and play for another day. So outside of fantasy football saving your day, there won't be a whole heck of a lot in this contest if you're outside of a New York Giant or Philly fan. So 
So that is week 14, first round of the fantasy football postseason. The NFL is nearing its conclusion of the season. So on that note, you can find the, me on Twitter at Chris underscore ADF1. You can find the show on Twitter at ADF Underground. You can find the show on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbeam, or wherever you get your shows. Thank you for tuning in. We truly appreciate you, and we will be riding with you all the way to the Fantasy Football Championship. So stay tuned for all the articles on All Day Football, and thanks again for tuning in. So on that note, until next week, stay humble, stay peaceful, take care of each other. I'm out.